The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Dugout Study Hall, a remedial course in baseball stats and part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. I'm your host and expert layman, Matt Goodwin, joined, as always, by your fake baseball economist, Alexander Chase. Today, we talk about ERA, ERA estimators, metrics that try to substitute for ERA, and some pictures as case studies for how you can try and make sense of it all. But before we jump in, Alexander, how you doing? Not too bad, Matt. How about yourself? Uh, pretty good. Not too uh, too bad up here. Uh, very hot day today, or at least it felt it when I left school. Maybe that's because I was in air conditioning all day. Uh, and then that rude awakening when you step outside and it is not nearly as comfortable outside as it is inside. Uh, and it's also responsible for a band of thunderstorms coming through here. Uh, it's supposed to be right now. I don't know. Nothing's going on. But if anybody happens to hear some noises in the background, no need to be alarmed. And I didn't get fancy and add sound effects into the background. Uh, it's just some uh, some early summer thunderstorms rolling through. How about down there? Uh, it's currently raining on my patio, and uh, for those of you guys who are uh, part of our live Zoom recording, and by that I mean just us, just us, yeah. um, <laughs> you can see my cat um, staring out the window at the lightning and being very confused. Mm, so. I, I love a good thunderstorm. Uh, mm-hmm. We were kind of talking off mic I, where I am. Good thunderstorms are, are not really scary as, as they are elsewhere in the country where I can completely understand why uh, thunderstorms are not entertainment, but uh, for me, I enjoy a good thunderstorm. I don't really get them here. They tend to break up. There must be something in the atmosphere above my house, which is good mm-hmm. for no property damage, not so much for my love of thunderstorms. Uh, but my main concern is that it rains a little bit because I didn't go water the vegetables uh, outside today because it was supposed to storm. So if it doesn't, they're going to be thirsty. Oh, I have some tomatoes I probably should have brought in. That's that's fun. Um, <laughs> well, they'll, be they'll be fine. They're, they sit right next to a, a wall. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah oh, boy. As long as they yeah. don't blow away. <laughs> all right. Well, we're off to a hot start now. Um, uh, all right. Well, moving on from uh, thunderstorms and lightning and potentially uh, electrified fried green tomatoes by nature. Um, this is going to be an episode all about ERA and pitching. And, um, uh, just to be honest with everybody, I'm going to be learning right alongside you with a lot of this. So I'm going to be asking a lot of questions. Hopefully the kinds of questions that you'd be asking, uh, wherever you happen to be listening to this and we'll get some answers and then we'll obviously use some players as, as case studies. Um, to be able to kind of understand what this looks like in practice and how you can turn this into decision-making in terms of your rosters. 
Uh, but before we get into the meat of it, um, I'd like to ask you, Alexander, so far, since this is going to be an episode all about pitching, who is the most surprising pitcher for you so far early on in this 2021 baseball season? Um, probably Freddie Peralta. Mm. Um, I I feel like it, it's sort of like weird process guy for me um, because Freddie Peralta kind of always looked like his best version of himself would maybe pitch three innings mm. uh, just because like, you know, the way his arsenal worked and the way his command worked and everything else. Um, and for the most part of this year, that's not who he's been. Yeah. Um, um, Mikey Ahedo, um put something on Twitter last night uh, that kind of borrows some of the work that I've been slowly working on um, mm-hmm. in that he's um, one of the best pitchers in terms of CSW per PA uh, rather than like per total pitches. Yeah. Uh, you know, in other words, he's earning the most strikes per plate appearance of like, not like the most, but like up there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. Um, and one of the funny things that kind of goes alongside that is he has one of the lowest zone rates. Um, which is just really hmm. funny to me because basically that means that um, he just doesn't give in yeah. and throw <laughs> something garbage over the plate and let someone hit. Yeah, um, he's daring you to chase after him the entire time, and that's not a good idea. You should not be chasing after Freddie Peralta's stuff. You will not catch up to it. Yeah, um, and you will not um, you will not fare well. So he's a really interesting sort of guy that I think a lot of us wanted to be successful. Had some serious doubts about it right around draft day. Whenever I was like, "Hey, he's going to be a starter now." Yeah. Um, do Do you happen to own any shares of him? Because I traded away my only share the day before the season started. Yeah, I, I, really I, I think it. I have. I know I have one. I might have two. Um, and it was it was one of those things where it was like I need a guy. Uh, I'm gonna grab him. He's been doing okay, and then just never got to the point where it made sense to drop him, and now. It definitely doesn't make sense to drop him. So uh, not necessarily yeah. because I had the foresight to see this coming. Uh, more so uh, circumstances. Kind of like Rich Hill. I have him on a, on a team as well. And it was, again, it was, mm. you know, I'm going to do a little streaming. This is a great matchup. And then, wow, he's been he's been really good. So uh, that's kind of how I've lucked into that. Yeah. Do you have any guys that you're, like, just shocked and perplexed by, for better or worse, that you know, we, we got to get to at some point today. Uh, are we talking good or bad? Yes. <laughs> well, there's definitely some guys I know we're going to be talking about. Um, I'll bring up Luis Castillo. This is going to be for my buddy, Zach, uh, who I pulled a trade with in the offseason here in a dynasty league. Last year was the startup. And my team, I didn't really draft this to necessarily be a win now team. And then it was awesome. So I, I kind of tried to go all in on the, the win now. And in the offseason, I made a, a deal with him. Very savvy player, very smart guy. Uh, I hope Zach's listening so that he he gets the shout out. Um, and uh, we we swung a deal, uh, and I'll actually go through the whole deal because I think it's actually interesting how things work out. Uh, so the, the deal was my Zach Gallen and Luis Castillo for his Garrett Cole and Lance Lynn. <laughs> now. In a dynasty league, there's a whole other wrinkle there, right? In terms of I'm oh, giving yeah. up youth and, and getting back guys that, that are going to age out sooner than I, I mean, Garrett Cole's not that old, but he's, he's, you know, he's on the, the other side of 30 now. Uh, and, and it was really, uh, my team like won the regular season last year easy. And then playoffs came and, and they just stopped being good and I didn't win. 
and I want to win. So I'm going to win this year with that deal. At the time, I insisted, <laughs> and this is where things get interesting, I insisted on uh, giving him my Byron Buxton <laughs> for his <laughs> Ian Happ because I wanted just a little oh, no. bit more. Oh, no. And uh, I, I think that's maybe the part of the trade uh, prior to Buxton getting hurt uh, that kept him sane. So, uh, you know, I don't think either one of us got uh, snookered on that deal. I think it was a really fair, reasonable, perfectly uh, um, balanced deal. And in in the end, you know, now Gallon's seriously hurt and, and Castillo's been terrible. So Castillo, for me, I think is somebody that we definitely need to get to at some point. Um, and being on, on the high side of one of these outliers that we're going to be talking about, I think he would naturally come up anyway, but, uh, certainly a lot of eyes on Castillo. Uh, somebody else that's just kind of been surprising to me is, is, uh, John Gant, who I had my eye on, honestly, <laughs> because of strategy at the beginning of the season. I don't like saves. I, I don't, I don't. So mm-hmm. a lot of oh, times yeah, what either. happens is, uh, you know, I'm not going to pay for him early on. Uh, there's a couple of leagues where I have a lot of elite closers, and I don't really know how that happened, but that's generally not my plan going in. And I like to find yeah. high leverage guys who could easily find themselves in the role, and in the meantime, will help me with ratios. And he was on my radar yeah, for yeah. that. Oh yeah, but- he was great last year. Uh, like he was at the top of like the leaderboards in terms of like CSW rate and CSW per PA among relievers. So I was kind of curious about him yeah. uh, in the offseason. But I also just don't have high expectations generally for anyone in the, the Super Central. And yeah, I especially yeah. didn't have high expectations for the Cardinals. I don't know if I'm super wrong about that yet, but we'll see. Um, so he was a guy that, like, whenever I found out they were going to turn him into the st- into a starter because uh, they didn't have anyone else to do that. Yeah. I was a little bit perplexed and just have not paid any attention until I <laughs> looked at him today and realized um, who John Gant is. Yeah. For those of you guys who like bad jokes about non-literature. <laughs> uh, I think he's very interesting because, uh, well, we'll get into the detail of it a little bit later on, but um, in terms of what he's doing and how it's turning out, there might not be some, some consistency there, but um, he's definitely performed well. And been really important part of some of my teams as that that extra person who's going to get mm-hmm. uh, get uh, uh, extra innings in, in leagues where I have inning um, minimums to meet uh, that yeah. sort of a thing <laughs> without killing my good ratios. Luck. So yeah, good luck to everyone uh, who has inning minimums to clear that they are worried about clearing this year. It's going to be just <laughs> really wild to figure out how people uh, make it through the year when they have um, Gallon and. The rest of their entire roster. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, interesting thing. I don't know if you saw this, but they put out like overall. So at, at, uh, in pitcher list, we have several different leagues um, and somebody put together kind of one of those cool spreadsheets that takes all of the different leagues and, and does an overall ranking. And um, I was happy that I wasn't dead last. That was encouraging. Um, <laughs> uh, but it, it's uh, it's very interesting to see where different things fall. And a lot of people talking about like, hey, you know, if, if my IL wasn't, you know, f- super saturated, um, things might look team. different. I, I really at one point, I think my team in 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 the pitcherless league was uh, I had like seven guys injured. There's three IL spots. I'm not dropping the other ones. They're they're way too talented. I think I, I think I made this comment in the, the discord that uh, every one of those individual guys on the IL at that moment was better than the rest of my healthy guys combined. 
so I wasn't <laughs> at all surprised to see that my team wasn't doing super well, and it hasn't been doing super well. But I, I don't know how you compete when you have all these guys going going down and not playing for you. I I think the answer is you just yell a lot. Yeah, um, and that's really all I got for anyone. Yeah, there. and that's why um, I tweeted out a couple weeks ago. My hateometer on on fantasy baseball was like a nine out of ten because everybody was hurt, and then other guys that weren't were playing like they were. So, um, I, but it, that's fantasy, yep. right? That's that's what happens. Yep. And if right now the person who's winning your league is the person who doesn't have injuries, then you know you can't be mad at them. It's not their fault. It's just the way yeah, things yeah. go. And wait a month, you know. Exactly right. It's, it is them. still early. I th- I really do think yeah. I mentioned this. I think last week or the week before, we're, we we did that short season last year, and yeah. I think we're all feeling like, oh my goodness, the anxiety of the short season, and not realizing that we still have so much of it left to go. Yeah, a lot of the reason why I'm having us actually talk about ERA estimators today um, is because we're coming up on that magic mark where uh, pitchers will have basically the same number of innings or appearances or whatever's this year as last year. Mm. And those uh, comparisons are going to get really fun. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited for that. Once we hit the 60 game mark, we're going to go a lot of pieces from a lot of people, I'm sure. I'm hoping to be one of them. Yeah. 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 I mean, it makes a lot of sense to to put those two things together. Um, and interestingly enough, it'll still be less than a full season's worth of data. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, all right. More than a third. Yeah. Yeah. Um, enough to, to really start talking about some stuff in important, meaningful ways, which is good. Um, all right. I'm going to move to number of the week. And this week, uh, it's 98.9%. And right now, that's the league leading left on base percentage for pitching. Um, pitchers who have left uh, runners on base, 98.9. This is also sometimes called, correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, a strand rate. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 Um, uh, so, so I'm not going to tell you who allowed... this is, but I want you to talk about that strand rate and what it might mean. Okay. So uh, this means that I'm guessing that this pitcher has allowed one of the 101 base runners that did not hit home runs, basically, who reached base to then come around and score. Yeah. Um, uh, I think like a pretty normal number is somewhere around like 80. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to check that for like this year. Uh, like that is just like a benchmark in my head that is just like so. Would that be like a, no a league average, or would that be yeah, like something when you like start that. being decent at it? No, I think that's probably about average. I, okay. I and I need to look that up. I'll be honest; I could be totally wrong, but I think that's average. Um, but yeah, um, one point one percent of uh batters reach base scoring is uh very bad. Um, that's like Metzian um on steroids. So um, this has to be someone who offensive. Um, You're talking about very bad for the offense. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So this has to be someone who's probably extraordinarily lucky. I would also imagine somewhat separately that this person's probably sh- given up like just a handful of solo shots uh, just because I don't think there's any other way about like a hundred batters I'm trying to think about how many starts that would be. That's like about five starts. Um, I don't think we have any relievers that have gotten to a hundred batters yet. So I'm assuming this is a starter. Yes. Correct. Okay. And I, I didn't intend this had... for, to be a guessing game per se. Um, um, I, I just didn't want to reveal the person and have the conversation be about that individual. I wanted it to be more yeah, about yeah. the concept, but we can play guessing game. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, um, my guess is going to be based off of the people uh, later on. Um, I'm, I'm going to throw three guesses. You're going to tell me I'm wrong three times. We're going to move on. <laughs> first of all, it's not John Means, is it? It is. You got it on the first one. <laughs> ah, you did. You got it. Oh, we'll talk about him later. Yeah, um, he will come up. Yeah, that up. makes sense. 
Yep, it's John Means. Uh, so uh, along with some other things we will talk about later, I think it all kind of fits together and makes a lot of sense in the uh, the scheme of, of the point of this in terms of what's actually happening on the field versus the stuff that uh, is being thrown and whether or not those match and where you can expect some regression. Um, regression to the mean in a good way and regression in the mean in a bad way for, for different guys at different times. Um, all right, so that brings us really to the central question of, of the episode, which is, again, how we can use ERA, ERA estimators, or stats that, that are kind of supposed to be ERA substitutes to better understand pitching pitchers, um, who is somebody that must be rostered, somebody that must be started, somebody that's probably uh, somebody we can let go of, um, you know, uh, sell sell highs, buy lows, that, that kind of... Um, that's where this Who is stinks? going to be useful information. Who don't? Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I do think that a lot of the way that you're framing that is a lot of just like how valuable is someone? How good are they going to be against the field in this stat is kind of like a good way to look at it. Because yeah. I do think that, and this is kind of like the first stepping stone. I think bringing up strand rate is a great way to kind of segue into this is that there's a lot of things that uh, pitchers just don't really have that much control over mm-hmm. um, when it comes to ERA. Um, strand rates are great place to start but i mean the other ones are kind of more obvious you know like defense park factors the weather you play in uh, the quality of your opponents right right Uh, but i think also just kind of like the roll of the dice about when things kind of go crappy and when they don't like how consistent you are not just how good you are on average you know things line up weird uh so like i imagine that um john means will probably have a somewhat um different strand rate going forward <laughs> yeah. uh, he will not strand 98.9 percent of batters the league um, leader at the end of may is is not likely to sustain that obviously but i again i yeah. bring it i like to bring up extreme examples because they're fun uh but I, it also does underscore i think an important point that we're making here about what pitchers have control over what they don't what their numbers mean and what they what their numbers don't necessarily mean especially if you're looking strictly at era uh, you want to talk a little bit about ERA in and of itself and, and what is good and bad and, and positive and negative about that stat on its own. Um, so I think it's kind of good to crack open one can of worms today. And that's like the difference between uh, how good someone has been mm-hmm. versus how good they're going to be going forward. Um, when we talk about like predictive stats versus descriptive stats, um, but for the most part, like a lot of these stats that have been built are basically trying to answer the question, how good or how productive, I guess, yeah. should someone have been? Um, and the thing about ERA is for all of those flukes, it does literally define the outcomes for what happened. Right. Um, I would not want to play in an ERA estimator league um, <laughs> if I'm playing Roto, right? Yeah. Um, if we're going to have a category, and again, you, you, you've heard me punt about uh, which categories I would want in the past. Yeah. If I have to have categories, I want ERA um, because it describes um, what happened. Um, yeah. And I, I think that that kind of is part of the thing, though, if you're going to play the points league, because then you can punt on this and not have to choose one. <laughs> um, but, you know, for all its warts, um, the nice thing is that it's it's fluky and funny, um, and that can lead to fun outcomes in fantasy. Um, now, should we just pick the starter with the best ERA and call him the Cy Young winner? 
uh, actually, I mean, it's better than wins, but it, it's still, <laughs> it's got some problems, right? Um, the thing is, because we know what kind of broken it is, you know, if you play in a ballpark where it's harder to score runs, your ERA is going to look a little bit better. If you play with a really good defense behind you, your ERA is going to look a little bit better. If you tend to play, you know, in an environment where you tend to get some really favorable weather, or maybe you play in a dome, you know, that can help your ERA as well. Um, if you play in a division where everyone all of a sudden stinks real bad. Yeah. Um, hello, um, Trevor Bauer last year. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, let me ask you this before we move on, because I think that this is a great place to ask this question. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are all things, mm-hmm. though, that we kind of knew going into the season, by and large. Wouldn't that have already yes. been baked into rankings and tiers and stuff? Uh, yeah, kind of. Um, I mean, some defenses are suddenly much worse than we expected. Um, th- for example, like the St. Louis Cardinals. We mm-hmm. thought they were going to have a really good defense. Now everybody's hurt. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Some parks are playing a little bit differently um, because the ball's playing a little bit differently. You know, if you're a park that has a lot of surface area versus a park that has short fences, you know, there's two different ways for runs in general to go up. Right. Um, and then also just kind of like, um, you know, opponent quality has also somewhat changed for yeah, some people. Right. right. Um, you know. We thought the Twins were going to be better than they have it. They're actually their offense hasn't been terrible, so I don't know if they're a, ter- a terribly good team to bring up. But like you know, the NL East is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. So like, I-, I do think though you're kind of right. Um, those are the sort of things where like we know they're broken, and um, for a lot of players, we can kind of just like say like, oh yeah, we know that past seasons Cardinals pitchers have had a lot of things going for them that like even if they're not the most obviously talented baseball players their ERAs are going to be a little bit better um, than their true talent would indicate and and that's actually just to kind of like throw out something that's why I don't typically like to try to ask and answer questions about how talented someone is yeah um, in baseball is because it's often kind of moot um, productive <laughs> is pretty much the only thing that kind of matters because um, there are just so many things that mask talent um that like you know who cares kind of um yeah if, if we're playing this degree. game right yeah, yeah. to a certain for degree the fantasy I mean, element it, of it I, yeah. I suppose what what they're doing for your team ultimately matters more but uh again if you're trying to make decisions about who to keep who to cut who to bench who to start all of that um you know talent does obviously factor in there in terms of somebody sure, who sure. is gonna you know in a, in a four game sample size has been just extraordinarily lucky or played the same terrible team yeah, 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 yeah. you know three times in four games for some fluky schedule reason so I, I, I and i think that's what makes this so difficult is that there are so many pieces to this is this mm-hmm. uh because uh, uh you know the the defense behind the pitcher is not only good but they're also incredibly well coached and and placed Oh yeah, yeah. Um, that's another thing too. Yeah. Uh, you know, our uh, our the list are, goes on. Yeah. Are they making defensive substitutions? When does the manager decide to pull the pitcher? Are are they only facing the order two times or through, or are they going mm-hmm. a third mm-hmm. time through? Um, because it. we know that's going to increase the ERA, but that doesn't necessarily mean their talent is any less. It's just the way it works, right? Yeah. I got like imagine this is even worse if we're talking about like relievers, right? Because the same thing. Only compounds like if you're being used like as a fireman reliever or if you're just like a strict closer yeah right um, right opportunity all of those things factor in so we have so many moving parts um and it, when we're looking at which we will in a bit at people who have these enormous differences between their actual performance and their expected performance whether that's a good or a bad difference it's really hard to flesh out whether that is a series of things that the pitcher 
can directly control or are not. Um, and that makes it really difficult to, to make those decisions in a moment. So what we're really trying to do is to just help you at home understand what these things mean so that you can look at the differences. And there's always going to be that human element and the eyeball test and all of those things that just because somebody has a huge discrepancy doesn't mean that they're going to come back completely to what an expected stat says they're going to do. Um, it, it could turn out that it, there's actually a reason for it and a narrative emerges later on. So all of those things that we talked about going into the season in terms of does the narrative support the eyeball test that supports the stats? That's all still true and relevant. We just have more information about the here and now at this point in the season, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, we can talk about all the like the fluky things that can make, and I think we should put it this way, and really just get into it. Like, a lot of the numbers that ERA estimators generate um, are really simple, and that is their benefit and their detriment. So, um, like, when we're talking about the number of things that a pitcher potentially actually has control over, the list is pretty short. Mm, um, yeah. And we agree on two of them. And then the third one has been a decades-long fight about how much and in what way should we just agree on it. So, like, <laughs> we agree that pitchers pretty much control how many strikeouts they get, like, pretty much. Um, not fully, but like yeah. in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. Better pitchers um, tend to get more strikeouts. It's not yeah. that they control every strikeout, but in, you know, in the bell curve. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like who you have been in the past um, is pretty likely to be who you're going to be in the future, especially in season, right? Once you've made the changes in the offseason, like if a guy has a good strikeout rate in mid-late April, um, we can buy that he's probably going to have a strikeout rate that's also going to be pretty good in mid-late August. Yeah, um, right. Same thing for walks. Pretty much the same thing for walks. Um, those are super stable, and they are driven largely by a pitcher's stuff and the choices they make in-game. Right. Um, and the players league-wide are not going to drastically change that, and they don't not to drastically change that themselves unless they get hurt. The third thing, though, is contact. <laughs> and, well, contact's really rough. Um, and I think we've talked about this a little bit when I've talked about like um, kind of like hard hit rate for pitchers and batters. I mean, I wrote a big wrong... A big long article last November. Big wrong not article. A big long article. <laughs> Hope not. Um, basically, it, I mean, it has a nice, fun power tagged uh, headline. It's like it hard hit per nine Stadcast best contact me- metric. And, and and the long story short is that like um, we have been for a long time trying to figure out exactly how much control pitchers tend to have. And yeah. my personal answer is actually not like a huge focal point of today's podcast at all that's something we can argue about later again if we ever want to um but the thing that we've been kind of stuck on for a while is just like trying to estimate home runs um and that's like been like the only thing that we try to do so like let's start with fip um what is fip fip is imagine if the only three things that mattered were home runs um strikeouts and walks and we assume that pitchers completely control all of them and then there's we just add on a couple extra runs for to make the st- statistical regression work yeah that's okay. fit um fit what is, is way better than era telling us a lot about how good a pitcher should have been tell us um, what the, so, F- the fip stands for yeah fielding, fielding independent. independent pitching yeah yeah fielding independent pitching yeah and so um, it removes it removes uh batted balls right because yeah. we i mean i mean uh in play because we don't want to count uh, uh say a hit that shouldn't have been a hit because the shortstop 
isn't any good. Yeah. Now it's it's got some like throwing the baby out with the bathwater sure. problems. I would say, um, in that like basically it assumes that a pitcher um, who gives up a lot of uh, ground ball laser beams and a guy who gives up a lot of really soft ground balls are the same. Mm. It assumes that uh, a guy who um, plays in a park with some really um, really home run friendly guidelines is playing in the same ballpark as someone who's like you know not yeah <laughs> <laughs> let's put it that way so yeah it's got some warts um but it's also really easy to kind of figure out what's going on and i would say if you want like a here's how good a pitcher has been fip is among kind of like the what i would call like the classical um i have been introduced to the things but i'm not myself like totally totally off the deep end about stats like the traditional ERS it matters it's the most descriptive mm, it's okay. like the best at um, telling you how good a person should have been because guess what home runs really really affect ERA <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> they really really tend to affect the score of the game uh, actually that's the thing that we keep finding out as well um, so if you just like pretend that pitchers control them even though they don't really have full control over them. There's lots of other things that play. You get a pretty good story of how good a guy should have been in his own park against who he faced. Uh, and that's that's cool. Um, it's really good for immediately trying to figure out uh, whether something's way, way weird off for a guy's ERA. Um, so that's, that's useful. Um, it's not really good, though, compared to a lot of the other more recently conceived things telling us how good someone should have been. Um, so... From there, people have basically just taken that idea and tried to fix FIP. Okay, um, yep. So, like, a lot of other things that have come after it aren't necessarily, like, themselves trying to fix all of ERA. A lot of them kind of just take FIP because it's so well-conceived in terms of how the math works mm -hmm. and just try to play with things. Um, so, I'm sure you've heard of XFIP, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, XFIP is just FIP. X instead of home runs, though, they just, just take all fly balls that a pitcher gives up and assume instead um, that pitchers control how many fly balls they give up, but they have no control whatsoever on how many of those fly balls leave the stadium. So they just assume league average home run to fly ball rate. Now, again, there are some problems with that. Sure. Like, um, do you give up some absolute laser beams on your fly balls or do you give up some really weak stuff on your fly balls? If you are in the camp that pitchers can only control kind of like the angle the ball is coming off of the bat, you know, are you a sinker guy? Are you like a four seams up in the zone guy? Um, then XFIP really tends to fit in your ideology. But um, basically, and we'll get to this in a second, XFIP kind of is completely redundant. Um, <laughs> there is something that does everything better than it does. Like, or sorry, there is something out there that does everything it does, but better. Um, because that idea um, kind of just ignores the fact that, yeah, pitchers actually do have a little bit of control over, like, how hard the contact they give up is, um, not just the angle. So um, I tend to, like, not care about XFIP, but it's really, really popular and a little bit better at FIP than, or better than FIP at being product or predictive. Yeah. So, telling us about the future. Yeah, difference in descriptive versus predictive. So FIP tells us who's, who's uh, who somebody's been. As a comparison to their ERA, XFIP would be a better measurement of who somebody's going to be. I mean, it makes does make sense because some of this too, right? Talk about the count. There's there's going to be 
um, it, you know, when you when you have somebody down in the count, you're going to be pitching them differently than when you have to get something over the plate, where maybe you're willing to cede a little bit of the control that you might have over launch angle and and all of that. So there's there's de- again more variables, right? More variants. Everything that happens in a baseball game has a ton of moving parts, and so trying to remove the variables and isolate the things that we can control for is nearly impossible. But that's still what we're trying to do. Yep. And to, to use that word count again, actually, a really interesting <laughs> way. XFIP also has a, another advantage. Um, when we talk about like predictiveness versus descriptiveness, the trend tends to be really rare and infrequent things. Um, you know, they're hard to predict, but they're going to show up. Um, right. Home runs are relatively rare um, compared to other things that happen in baseball games. There are way more fly balls than home runs. There are way more strikeouts than home runs, as we're finding out rapidly all of the time. <laughs> so if your model needs to take rare inputs like home runs, heck, even like barrels, it's right. not going to stabilize that quickly. Um Tune in for more barrel hatred from me any week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that's kind of the gist of the idea there. So like, then like other people have built their models a little bit differently. So like um, Sierra um, skills and decorative ERA um, is just so crazy. It's got like a million inputs and a lot of different interactions between those inputs, but it's basically built to like protect, Pretend we don't have StatCast data, but try to approximate it using, like, classifications of, like, different things like flyball versus line drive that we are based off of, like, the pre-StatCast way of determining them. And it's way more predictive than XFIP. Sierra is the reason why XFIP is redundant and not worthwhile, is that we've had for a while um, something that's just more sophisticated. It just takes, like, counts of line drives, flyballs, ground balls. Um and kind of like interacts with them in some interesting ways. Uh, so yeah, Sierra is uh, really good at telling us about the future. Um, we have beaten it, but I would say like being better than Sierra at predicting how good a pitcher is going to be is kind of like the bar for me for like new age stats. Uh, I like Sierra quite a bit, even though it's really conflicted and complicated. <laughs> well, um, it sounds like something that you'd be into. Uh, yeah. Lots of math involved there on the back end. Uh, are there any other, before we start talking about overall impact and actual players, are there any other uh, of these kind of estimators or substitutes that you want to kind of just highlight and talk about so that people know what we're talking about when we start using these um, terms? Yeah, basically there are five that you can pull from fan graphs, and those are the five I'm going to talk about today, right, okay. in total. We've talked about three, yep. um, FIP, XFIP, Sierra. The other two, uh, Quera, K-W-E-R-A, strikeout walk ERA. Basically, it's like, what if we took FIP but just removed home runs entirely and only used someone's strikeout and walk rates? So it's even more simple, uh, but it reaps some advantages because it actually gets rid of the variance of home runs. So <laughs> it basically just punts contact entirely, uh, which is really f- interesting to me. I don't try to use it, per se, as I like to look at it and try to tell me, like, or use it to tell me, like, some interesting things about a guy. Um, it basically... It's sole input is like basically K minus BB. Like that. Yeah. I don't think okay. that's true, true, but like that's basically it. And the last one is XERA. And this is the one that's on StatCast that you'll find on the far right of a pitcher's page. Okay. Um, and I think this one deserves just slightly more um, explanation than I probably want to give it. But um, basically, it takes a player's XWOBA and just scales that. So if a pitcher has a 320 XWOBA, like, there's not, like, a constant 
like in FIP, there's a FIP constant every year, which is like, okay, we assume everyone gives up 1.5 runs or whatever, and then you get a few others for the amount of home runs you give up, and then we subtract away based off of uh, strikeouts, right? Okay. There is not a constant for um, uh, XERA. It, I think. I'm pretty sure. It basically just <laughs> scales directly. Okay. It, it, and actually, it might have a constant because the scaling might just be linear with like an intercept. But, like, but basically, though, it's, it's, one, it's one thing and they just kind of rescale it. Okay. Um, so it's like, it's, it, it's one-to-one, basically, just like, how good is someone's ex-WOBA? Okay. Um, so, like, for all the reasons why ex-WOBA can be a little bit fluky and good, but also bad, um, you know, that's what Well, I mean, every one of for. these has to, has to um, bake something in that's uh, either an assumption or a league average or something along those lines, right? And whenever you bake in something like that, you're going to... You're baking a flaw in, but it's necessary. Yeah, <laughs> Otherwise, exactly, exactly. we would have something that would 100% accurately predict the future. And then, I mean, we wouldn't be using it for fantasy baseball, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's um, that's just betting or, uh, you know, back to the futuring or whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. The benefit here then is kind of like if you can have some complementary or like not fully the same thing, but with two different names, stats to look at for a couple of guys and kind of just figure out, okay. Is this guy succeeding according to this ERA estimator because he's really good or because he's the kind of player that it sucks at telling us about? Yeah. Um, yep. Yep. That's so that's fair. So let's jump into some players and let's start with who yeah. we teased early on. And I think we should start with Luis Castillo, who has just been dreadful, uh, especially for anybody who uh, who drafted him this year because uh, you, mm-hmm. you paid a, a premium for him. Uh, and he has not yeah. delivered. So what do the numbers say about Luis Castillo? So um, Luis Castillo, you may be aware, has er, been bad. Um, he's given yeah. 40 earned runs in uh, 47 and a third innings. Yeah, not um, great. Luis Castillo has not been that bad, according to anything other than ERA, um, which will not make you feel any better. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, so w- one of the things I did is I took all of these other like ERA estimates and basically you know you just multiply them by innings pitched and divide by nine and you get how many earned runs that they expect someone would have given up so uh Luis Castillo he has a 761 ERA but he has a 4.77 FIP uh you take that 4.77 FIP you extrapolate that over the number of innings that is 25.1 earned runs so his 14.9 earned run gap between how many he's given up and how many FIP estimates that he would have given up is 14.9. That is by far the largest gap in the MLB um, by like three runs. Uh, so it it is a big difference. Um, yeah, it's not the like gap between him and second place is noticeable. Yeah, I mean, it's not like the the the, the number there, the second number that you gave was that FIP. Um is great for Luis Castillo, but certainly way, way, way better than what his ERA is right now. Um, so yeah. what would you expect um, from him moving forward? So I, I do think it's interesting to kind of look at some of the other numbers beyond FIP, and then kind of talked about why FIP actually might be telling us the truth a little bit about Luis Castillo. Mm. So like many of these other um, estimators um, actually expect better than what FIP does. Mm. Um, like for example, he has a four three six Sierra. That's a seventeen run gap. Um, yep. He has a four oh eight X FIP. That is really really interesting. Yeah. Um, so a lot of these kind of like other than FIP roughly place him in like the low fours range. Now I want to ask you, um, 
is there anything about Luis Castillo, perhaps where he plays, that might tell us that he might give up a few more home runs than the average pitcher? Uh, now, yeah, one of his sure. Big but, I mean, he did play there before. This isn't his first year there. So, I, I no, guess he, that's from he somebody... He should be like a perennial dude who like looks worse by FIP than he does by other things. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. And and Park Factor is going to play a role in that. Absolutely. I guess my question, being the non-math person, would be um, what specifically, and you might not even be able to answer that. It's maybe a super unfair question, but like what would be the the thing that's that's causing this discrepancy and is it something that's one of those factors that's outside his control and it's just likely he'll come back or is it something that's inside his control and he can make a new decision and it's much more likely to come back to to where he normally is so i I do want to say there's kind of like another thing um that's really interesting about him it's his two bad outings came like his super super bad outings he's had a Mm -hmm. lot of like really mad outings but he's had two outlier awful ones one of them was like the first game of the year when the weather was really really cold and bad and he wasn't himself the other one was in course yeah um so like you kind of have to give him some like here's why he hasn't been his past self leeway but why have things been different well let's go look and what's his left on base rate it's only uh 54.1 percent in other words about 45 percent of his base runners that he's allowing are scoring compared to his like personal average of the past couple years in like the 70s uh actually i hear i have it for you league average left on base rate uh this year is 72 percent 72 so yeah well below and it also was actually better john means (laughs) number even more off the charts unsustainably so So the big thing here is it's really important to kind of know why are they disagreeing with each other? Why is FIP different than XFIP is different from Sierra, right? Um, The assumptions they make are different. And you want to think about um, for a particular batter, which one of those assumptions seems to be most true. It does uh, Castillo just control his fly ball rate and he's going to have a league average home run to fly ball rate? Probably not. Um, the great American launch pad is just going to be that way. Right. Uh, but you know, um, I do think though, that all of these tend to agree that he's not a seven ERA guy. Um, he has pitched like a mid four ERA guy and that's with some really bad outings. If he can get his act together, he can probably be a mid three upper three ERA guy who hopefully also strikes out a good number of people if he just gets his act together. So And the strikeouts you know, obviously like, help bring that back down in and of themselves. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So like the strikeouts have been down this year. He's sitting below twenty percent. But again, like there have been some bad outings that tank even his strikeout rate. So, you know, if you want to be bullish about Luis Castillo, um that's the path forward. Um it's not a fun one per se. Yeah, um, but I, I mean, would say he's already know, got this month. Yeah, he's already got a, uh, this performance in the books, right? So by the end of this year, if he winds up with a four and a half, uh, that'll actually mean that from this point forward, he's done very well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I would say like um, I, I don't have his strikeout rate, but he does have um, more than one strikeout per ending in the month of may so far hmm. um his era is worse this month than it was last month yeah. um man yeah so he's someone that um 
I, I do think really makes for a fun test case so far this year. And I just want to kind of just say like, let's all have a chuckle and hope it writes itself because that's the most likely outcome. Um, and that's kind of like the last piece of this puzzle is um, you, you can't use any of our words against us ever because we're... <laughs> i'm kidding let's go to the other Um, side let's go to somebody who's performing really well and whose numbers say um maybe maybe that's not going to continue so if we look at the other end of the spectrum here uh we've got two people at the top uh that we mentioned early on john means and john gant um we could talk about somebody like lance lynn we could talk about aaron savale where you where are you feeling like you want to go Let's start with John Gant just because he's really funny. Okay. Um, again, I think the who is John Gant joke is very funny because I am a person who thinks that's funny. Um, <laughs> I also think that the fact that John Gant has like, so I did this non-mathematically sound thing um, where I just averaged his FIP, XFIP, Sierra, XERA, and Quera together. You shouldn't do that. It doesn't really help you all that much, but I just kind of want to like, where does this field sit on John Gant as a whole on average and on average they have him as like a 5.11 era guy um they would have expected that he would have given up 22 and a half runs so far i don't know what a half run is i think that's something to do with extra innings <laughs> anyways he's given the up nine earned runs this year um he has a 2.04 era um i am going to put my entire life savings down that he finishes the year with an era above three if i can <laughs> yeah you're like just want to say like that's probably what's going to happen uh because you know especially less than 40 innings so far um depending on which day of the week you're listening to this um, i think um yeah there's just not a whole lot about someone like him that suggests that he is that good in fact there is some to suggest about him say that he's been quite bad so let's go try to figure out what it is right yeah well what's the first thing you should guess what okay i'm actually going to put this to you what do you think is the first thing that you should i someone like me should be looking for to see like um if he's a guy that breaks the system or if he's a guy that's just been really lucky i mean he moved he changed roles right so uh, that's definitely part of it um uh, i would maybe look to see if he has a new pitch um to see if that's um, part of I, what's these going are, on I, are you just want me I to stick that, with like stats like why is he lucky yeah why do we think he's been lucky like you're telling me reasons why he might be better this okay year. yeah um, we already established i think he's actually pretty been pretty good throughout his career um so like what luck things am i looking for i want to get a guess i mean i've been sitting here listening to you talk about all of all of these different things and i still I, i'm gonna be honest i don't I don't really know, and that's. I think that's part of the frustration of this in trying to figure this out. Is um, like, I, I maybe his defense is amazing. Um, um, so he's been pitching in Bush, behind uh, with like the the hurt traditionally right? pretty good, but yeah, like they are currently hurt. Yeah, um, but they have been pretty good um, defense behind him. So he's got those things going for him. That actually has culminated to his left on base rate being pretty good. So he's sitting at eighty three point one percent. Okay, that's zero. fine. But I guess uh, I guess like, what oh, what throws me when you ask me that and you put me on the spot and I don't mind looking and sounding dumb. That's fine. Um, is that yes? Yeah, so the the left on base rate is very good, but why? Why would it suddenly be better than it's ever been? And, and like, so that's really where I think that if you're trying to do this investigation on your own, 
Like you can go find that and say, okay, that's likely to normalize a bit, but it still doesn't really explain why he's suddenly um, outperforming what he's actually, what these stats say he should do. Great. And that's that's where this stuff gets really funny for someone like him. Uh, so there are a couple of common components for every estimator, and uh, one of them is walk rate. John Gant is walking everybody. He's actually got a really terrible whip. Um, it was like 1.8 recently. Mm, where yeah. I will get it for you. Currently, his whip is 1.56. He's walking 15.8% of batters and striking out 18% of batters. So he is letting a lot of guys on base for free. Yes. Now, he's done a pretty good job of limiting the like out-and-out out damage. Um, he's given up... Um, well, the see, earned runs that run result from it, obviously, yeah. which is what we're talking about here, yeah. right? All of these things. So... Yeah. So if you like put it all together, basically he's the sort of guy that is like custom built for the estimators other than FIP, I would say, to like really not think he's that good, especially things like XCR and stuff like that, Sierra. Um he has a terrible walk rate. They all really care about walk yeah. rate. It really matters. It really does. Sure. But he's managed to kind of get away with it, um, because just the the contact that he has given up has landed in some gloves. But that to um, so, me feels like, like an explanation that's not sustainable, right? It explains why a little bit. Yeah, for sure. if you're putting a ton of guys on base via the walk, you, you're not going to survive the year that way. You're not going to just be able to pitch your way out of it. I mean, unless you're talking about a guy who has two completely different approaches to pitching once there's guys on first and second and just becomes a different Ooh, pitcher. Actually, I like that theory. You yeah. know, I mean, which yeah. I can't imagine many guys do. Um, that would be a narrative that would explain it. And maybe the left on base percentage is more sustainable than the average pitcher. Uh, but that's likely not what's happening. When you walk guys, they're going to score. If it hasn't happened yet, it's probably just going to happen that much more later. I know that there's a little bit of a gamblers, gambler's fallacy to that way of thinking, but, um, you know, it's, it's probably going to even itself out and regress a little bit. That is the kind of thing that makes sense to me in terms of trying to understand the why. Why is that left on base percentage so high? Well, he's walking a ton of guys and he's getting away with it. And that's probably not going to continue. Yeah. And I think that this kind of reveals like what I think is a question that I can hear someone who's really doubtful of what are these things for asking. It's like, you know, how can it possibly be worth caring about these things if it can be so disgustingly wrong about a guy like John Gant. Um, and the, the reality is, is like, well, somebody's got to be really out there whenever you have this many players as part of it. But also, like, there are a couple types of guys that I think make those unlikely events more likely yes. without them actually having been better. And this is exactly what you talked about right there. It's like, okay, somebody um, is going to probably get away with putting a lot of guys in base at some point. Uh, it, it just seems like it's been John Gant. Like he's given up six barrels this year. He's given up one home run this year. His stat cast expected home runs are, you know, somewhere between like three and four at most parks. He's given up one again, right? So he's just kind of gotten really lucky. Yeah, I mean, a couple um, of weeks a lot of different really interesting where he ways. walks two guys and gives up a bomb and all of a sudden those numbers are blown up. Yeah, I will say if you want to look across the board, which ERA estimator does he look better in than everything else? It's FIP. Mm -hmm, um, John yeah. Gant has a 4.13 FIP, 502X FIP, uh, 507X ERA. And you can see, like, whenever someone just quotes a bunch of these numbers and tries to cherry pick, that's obviously got some problems. But I think it's really interesting to know, like, when cherry picking is possible. 
Um, so yeah, actually, well, five six two Sierra. If you want to be really good, five six nine uh, KWERA. Because of course, it's completely contact blind and just right. got a three percent K minus BB. Rate knowing right now. what goes into these stats is going to make you so much better at using them in a meaningful way. If you just look at it and go lower is better and average them together like you did. Now you did that with a purpose, but if I'm doing that as, as mm-hmm. my, my process, there's you're baking, you're baking every problem into your overall, um, you know, where every one of them comes up a little short, you're baking all of those issues into your average as opposed to knowing which one to go to given uh, maybe a guy's strengths or weaknesses. You know, you're looking at somebody who's mm-hmm. giving up a ton of contact or giving up a bunch of home runs. That Those are going to impact those estimators in different ways. It's really important to understand the the structure and the engineering of the stat to to be able to make meaningful decisions about it. Uh, let's pick one more, one more uh, guy here, and I'm just going to let you pick Carplosh. Who is it that you'd like to talk about? Um, so I do think I want to talk about um, yet another underperformer here, um, because I think those are always just a little bit more interesting um, to me. And that's Aaron Nola, actually. Um, so Aaron Nola, um, he's got like a, an ERA around four right now. Um and I feel like someone like him, and we actually can throw off like a bunch of more guys that like y'all can kind of collectively just have at her at the end uh, that kind of fit in some of these different molds but you know like if you're tempted to like move aranola around in your ranks or trying to like maybe sell off of him because you're frustrated based off of a re- recent performance or something like that i think it's kind of worth contextualizing about where someone like him is sitting we were talking pre-show uh i want to bring up someone who's like not an outlier at all and that's clayton kershaw he's got like a about like a 295 ERA and he's got about a 295 everything else um because Clayton Kershaw is good um there have been some other guys who have like about a 295 whatever else from all the estimators but have like a one something ERA um like Kevin Gossman uh, for example Aaron Nola is also sitting in that like 295 to low threes estimators but his actual ERA is near four so I think that in some cases the whatever else isn't actually all that complicated um but it, i think it's kind of interesting to kind of check in like where he sits with everyone and what tell what it tells us right so he's someone whose fip is a little bit lower than his exit that means he's actually given up a fewer home runs um than like his just like raw fly ball rate would have estimated essentially cool um he's the sort of person who like you look at sierra again it's in that same spot you look at um kwera he's again same spot you look at xera it's in the same spot they're actually really in agreement with each other and i think that's really interesting if you want to like try to put a bunch of these things together um whenever the spread is larger right whenever like the standard deviation basically of the difference there if you want to get like out of the variance and whatever that number you want to use they're all based off the same different inputs whenever the numbers disagree with each other more um, that tells us that there's probably something funny that makes at least one of them really wrong, right? But when they're all pretty much in agreement and, and all way off, something is happening to give someone more earned runs all at once, probably. They probably actually then, And so we so should also say, the story? too, like compared to if there were two identical pitchers, one's Aaron Nola and the other one has done everything exactly the same way Aaron Nola has done it but maybe with a different schedule, a different team, a different defense, whatever the case may be, they're going to they're more likely to have the predictive 
stat outcome than what Aaron Nola's real outcome is, right? That's, I mean, that's kind of what we're looking at here. It's, it's the the shadow player mm-hmm. or the the ghost runner, so to speak, the ghost pitcher. Um, that if Aaron Nola was doing everything he's already done, but under different circumstances, he would have this vastly different outcome. So if that's what's happening, it makes a lot more sense to me, at least logically, that there is a something demonstrable in there, something that if you dig deep enough, look hard enough, uh, watch enough games, you're going to pick up on, you know, um, rather than like the scatter plot where everything's all over the place. And maybe that's just not enough data um, or, or, or a couple of games where things have just gone so different that they're not really easy to compare to each other yet. Yeah. Now I will say for him, like he had a great April. He had a couple of blow up starts, uh, one against Atlanta and Atlanta's Got some good baseball players, yeah. I should also note. Um, and he had one against the Red Sox. Um, and I don't 100% know if, like, there was some... Like, he had some high... Or he had some really low strand rates in those games. Mm. So, like, more guys sc- scored. But that'll happen. Like, you have a bad inning, right? Sure. Well, the thing about um, the thing about runs, basically, is that, like, if you, around, if you allow one base runner every single inning, um, that, that is much different than if you allow... Um, no base runners in three innings and then four all at once. Right, right. right. So, like, that's just another one of those things where, like, some people who are pretty good are going to have some, like, fluky distributions once in a while. And, you know, maybe it's just uh, related to just, like, losing feel a pitch for, like, a second, right? Um, So, like... Aaron Nola had a low strikeout game where a bunch of guys scored. Or he and then went he's been out with then. a stomach yeah. bug yeah, and it happens. through, you know? Yeah, it happens. Yeah, that, all sorts of stuff. Human stuff. So... Yeah, I just got to say, like, you can sometimes just accept that the dice have fallen in a weird way once in a while. Yeah, um, right. And that happens. Well, you know, I'm uh, going to throw this out there. I don't know. This is going to get a little esoteric, so uh, just stick with me for a second. I think every single day uh, as I'm driving into work, and this is just my weird brain, so feel free to, to make fun of me all you want <laughs> on social media or whatever, but... Um, you know, I think, okay, that leaf just fell on the windshield of my car. That bird just flew by as I'm driving by. Like seven hours ago, what was the likelihood that that bird in my car would be in the same place at the same time? And that probability is extraordinarily low, yet it happened. And if you look at all of those things that could come together, most things are destined to not happen. But every single day, super low probability things happen every single day every drive that i take in i drive past a leaf that that was destined not to land on my car but does um so when you start looking at the 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 longevity and the aggregate and even good pitchers are going to have these terrible outcomes and it's not necessarily because they're bad it's not because the leaf did something wrong it's just the way it happened i i've been talking about this for past several weeks i think we might have talked about it in a previous episode but i just want to bring it up again the the name for like extraordinarily low probability events like needing to occur is often referred to as like the Wyatt Earp effect. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, from, yeah, yeah from exactly. Tuesday, it's yeah. like someone has to win rock, paper, scissors tournaments. Someone has to win um, statistically um, a bunch of uh, gunslinger duels in a row. Um, somebody statistically has to strike out 10 times in a row. Uh, Cause it's just kind of how coin flips happen. Right? Sure. And like baseball isn't actually coin flips. At some point, the probabilities do change. You know, like you're going to do something to just not yeah, strike because out. There's a human right? element. You're, you're... There's choice. There's, yeah, there's a lot more variables than just flipping a coin. And, and the probability of that leaf falling is high, 
the probability of that leaf falling on a car is high because it's next to the road, but the probability of it falling on my car that I left at the exact moment that I needed to and that that thing broke off at the exact moment it needed to for that to happen is super low probability, but it happens every single day. Well, there's lots of cars and there's lots of leaves and there's a lot of pitchers in baseball. Yeah. <laughs> and that's uh, that's kind of like the end result of all of this is like in the long run, these estimators tend to tell us the right story. Um, come year's end, um, if you have a guy who throws 180 innings this year, if that same guy throws 180 innings next year, ERA estimators are going to pretty reliably tell us who's going to be next year, you know, barring some reason why he fundamentally changes. Which is a credit to these systems. I mean, my goodness, the people who created these things conceptualized (laughs) them from, well, I I mean, listen, I'm not trying to take anything away from you, but you're also kind of recreating, right? So these systems that have been created and conceptualized and put out there and can even come within, I mean, even if you're within a run over the course of an entire year with all the variability and flukiness that can happen. We're talking like, yeah, we're talking like, um, you know, if someone's got like a, like a 3-5 ERA over 180 innings pitched, well, um, how many runs does it take for him to have a 4 ERA? Well, that's a half a run every nine innings over 180 innings. So, I'm trying to think, that's 10 runs. Takes you from a 3-5 to a 4 ERA. It does not take a whole lot of things to swing things. And that's, that's what I mean. Innings. So like is, one is run is 20, yeah. is 20 and they're, they're landing within that. It's, it's really remarkable. Yeah. So kudos yeah. to everybody out there who's doing this work because it's, it's incredibly impressive how you are able to, I mean, I would say that's pretty predictive. People might argue with me and say that, you know, a, a run swing in either oh, yeah. direction no, like, is not, but on average, we're way better than that. Like, like that's fifth what is I mean. way better than one run. That's yeah, what I yeah. mean. Even one run is no, phenomenal, no, <laughs> and and yeah, and people exactly. are beating that. <laughs> exactly. So uh, a lot of a lot of kudos. And um, uh, originally scheduled to be on this episode with us uh, tonight was Dan Richard. Is it Richard or Richards? Richards. Richards with yes. an S. Okay, I want to get it right. I'm sorry, Dan. Um, and he will be joining us in a, on on a future episode to dive a little bit more deeply into some of these these things as well. But I just wanted to shout him out. Uh, sorry he couldn't be here tonight, um, but we will be bringing him back so that we can we can dive even more deeply into this, and I can be outnumbered by two incredibly smart math people. Uh, don't don't sell Dan short. He's smart at things other than math. Too. <laughs> I wasn't um, I wasn't limiting it. It was not an exclusive list. Yeah, Chris. not an exclusive yeah. list. Um, I, I do want to say if if you're interested, um, in some of these other guys that we didn't get to talk about today, but that kind of fit in these same parameters. One of the things we're going to do is I've created it. I mean, I'm not going to update it or anything, but just like <laughs> the guys who are higher and lower in these um, runs allowed, um, earn runs allowed, like estimator like things in terms of like, for example, right? When I, when I at the start, start talked about how many runs Luis Castillo should have given up based off of his FIP, I'm going to make sure to put the Google Doc that I'm using for all of this. Um, into the tweets somewhere yeah, so y'all can check excellent. it out there are a bunch of names that we're kind of interested in and that we've highlighted that we think are kind of like worth caring about there are some guys who like the estimators have them at like a one or pardon me the estimators have them at like a three two and they have like a one eight yeah. and like yeah that difference doesn't mean much to me right now um but the guys i, I want to just shout out a handful of guys that i think are kind of like interesting kind of rapid fire here 
uh like if we can start on like the um the the good side of things like the people who have been like had bad luck and we think might be better like dylan bundy uh might have like a, a six five era but the estimators all have him at about four right mm-hmm. uh, mitch keller is sitting at like seven four and the estimators have him around five still not great but heaney goes from like five to about a four uh jameson tyon goes from a five to like a sub four uh, we talked about nola dropping down to, from about four to a one um corbin burns this is hysterical <laughs> to me He's sitting at a 2-3 ERA. The estimators have him at a 1-4. My goodness. Corbin Burns is so good. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah there, there's a lot of other guys who kind of sit in that. Kenta Maeda goes from, like, 5 to, like, mid-4s. Bumgarner goes from, like, mid-4s to sub-4, which is kind of cool, actually. I don't know if he's... Like, he's kind of, like, pumpkined again after being, like, a bit of the carriage at the beginning of the year. So mm. um, we'll, we'll see if that sticks. There are some guys on the other side that we're a little more concerned about. Um, I want to say, just so I can say this out loud, um, Shohei Otani has a 2-3 ERA. The estimators have it at 3-7. Mm. Shohei Otani is still really good. Yeah. He's just walking a lot of guys. Um, and there you have yeah, it, right? Yeah, it feels like yeah, walks, walks care a, about are walks. a big deal in terms of discrepancy here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Because they're going to show up everywhere, right? Yep. And if you're the sort of person who only walks... The way these models work is they kind of assume that you're walking and that has a compounding effect. Well, if you're not, there's no compounding because nobody can hit anything you're throwing. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Up. Yeah, yeah. So Otani's like has reason to be beating his estimators, but I still think we should like kind of be worried about how many walks he's putting up in aggregate because they do limit his pitch count and how many innings sure, he can yeah, go and how many strike yeah. guns he can get. Um, but yeah, a uh, pair of guys from Houston that aren't performing as well as um the numbers say uh Urquidy goes from like low threes to low fours um McCullers goes to like about three to about four um Kluber goes from three to four Kenley Jansen actually uh really hysterically goes from like a one three ERA to about a four ERA I'm interested <laughs> to see what's going on with Kenley Jansen though like by all eye test accounts he's just killing it this year yeah that so feels I'm to me like probably have to look at like, him a little bit like uh <sighs> variance over small sample sizes that's right that's actually the thing though is that he like the gap there is so large we're talking he's um given up three earned runs this year whereas he was estimated to at this point have given up about nine earned runs that six run gap is as big as like the gap for marcus stroman who goes from like a two like a high twos to like a high. Yeah, but my ERA. my point I think is that because he's got small sample sizes, if he has say five or six walks mixed in there, that um, that's going to have a huge yeah, impact. That, that right, right, right. I mean, it wouldn't take yeah. as many uh, bad outcomes to make it the to widen the gap. I, am I am I correct in that? Um, he, sort it's of. the sort of thing okay. where because of the way I'm doing it, um, rather than so, and this is actually a contrast choice that kind of explains something we did earlier. I wanted to make sure that instead of just like calculating the difference between someone's ERA and their FIP, I wanted to count, calculate the distance in runs because that like organically teases out difference in sample size mm-hmm. and lets me to cut out a bunch of relievers. Uh, Jansen is showing up as is Emmanuel Classe, by the way. Um, basically, they're sitting in an identical spot as dudes who probably because of lack of strikeouts a little bit and probably because a few walks here and there um maybe even tactical walks as well i think that's part of mm. it is they might be walking guys to set up the double play a little bit um and, you know that's kind of like putting them in situations where like they're not actually getting out of jams they're like making life better for themselves so that's part of it i think sure um 
But I just want to say, like, there's a huge gap there, and I'm I want to know what it is. I'm not saying that Jansen or right, I'm going to ask you one more question about Jansen, and then we're going to have to uh, we'll skip past Fail and off the books for this episode, and we'll try and come back to them just because I again I think this is a really valuable conversation, uh, but we do have to wrap this one up. Um, but would somebody's role make them more susceptible to those blips? So Jansen comes in to a clean inning. He's going to throw gas. Uh, he probably gives up more hard contact, I would think. If you look at, you know, mm, f- uh, like 30 innings yeah, of exactly. Jansen yeah. versus 30 innings of a starter, um, you know, I, I just wonder how much of that is going to swing things a little bit more wildly, especially, you know, we're uh, a third of the way through the season now. Um, okay. He's got so way less I, innings I went and looked. pitches, right? Yeah. Jansen's got a 19% walk rate. Yeah. Okay. So that there it is. Yep. Bam. Um, Blowing okay, him up. Yeah. That does not. That ex, that explains also like Emmanuel Classe. He's got eleven percent walk rate, but only like a twenty one percent strikeout rate. He is gas into the ground, not gas into the back of the glove. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. MO. So I mean, if Jansen so, like, keeps you know, walking people, that could there. come back to bite him. I mean, we talked about that earlier. Um, but I it think, could also though, just it probably be, might be. Yeah. He's been used in a lot of extra inning or like interesting other situations where it would make sense to work well i mean somewhere. again so i want to say that that yeah, might be part if you're of it. coming in and you got that runner starting on second i mean i just something as simple as that right depending upon who you're facing you may very well i mean i don't know if you're walking with no outs to a guy on first but got the guy in second you get a, a strikeout um maybe a, a second strikeout uh, so now it's a guy in second with two outs and and uh, a, a really great hitter coming up. You're going to walk around uh, around that guy because not because you yeah, put the person that's, that's on exactly second, correct. but yeah, that makes sense. So situational stuff is going to impact them, and in a smaller sample size, a few events are going to uh, appear to have a larger impact than they would spread out over more events. Um, yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, well, this this um, definitely seems like something we need to revisit. We're bringing Dan back so that we can talk about this. And, and uh, when we do that, hopefully we have even more data um, across the board that, that's actionable. And we'll get a chance to look at some of these guys maybe and see if they've moved and come closer to their, their expectations. So the, having this sheet that we'll, we'll share out uh, that's accurate as of uh, May 26th, <laughs> Um, we can then use that maybe it's, as uh, something we can go back to and compare and say, like, let's pick five guys, maybe the same five, maybe five different, it doesn't matter, and see, have things changed over the course of a few weeks um, with, with those mm-hmm. players? Yeah, I um, I, I recently did, like, a thread on uh, Tommy Pham's really weird mm. luck and stuff, yeah. uh, and then revisited it and tried to figure out, like, was I full of it or not? And it, you know, he improved in some other way, in some ways, and then was also kind of still fluky, unlucky in some others. So I do think that this is one of the most interesting things to do is to kind of like call your shots in about May or so <laughs> yeah. about like guys who like, I think this guy is going to regress and then come back in later and be like, well, you see, I was only wrong because of XYZ, <laughs> which means I. I was kind of right, but it turns out I was wrong, but only because I was right about the wrong things. Yeah, no, I, I think it's really a fun exercise to, to come back and look because, uh, listen, it, it, we're not going to be right about everything. Um, it's impossible. If, yeah. if you were going to be right about everything, like I said earlier, you'd be playing a lotto and living on an island somewhere. So uh, it's, it's mm-hmm. about minimizing variance, making good decisions based on the data at hand, most likely outcomes, and how do you arrive at understanding what a most likely outcome is going to be. 
And I think we talked a lot about some stuff that can help you do that for sure. So uh, that's going to bring us to the end of this episode. Thank you at home for listening and being along for this ride. Um, Alex, thank you, uh, as always, for joining me. Uh, apologies to those of you at home if we had any uh, technical difficulties in there or uh, uh, I, there was some thunder in the background. We, we kind of gave you the heads up that that might happen, but hopefully nothing too egregious. And uh, we will catch you next time. Uh, before we go, Alex, could you let the people know where they could find us? Well, they can find you on Twitter at the corked mat i'm on twitter at chase underscore rate and most importantly you can find our podcast on twitter at dugout study hall where you can send us some questions please be sure to subscribe to the pitcherless podcast feed if you haven't done that already leave us a good review if you can be so kind and if you're not already please consider becoming a pl plus member so that you can harass us on the pl discord and that's it for me All right, well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time.